Welcome to Over the Page, the Vale of Glamorgan podcast with me, Julia. And me, Ben. And me, Chris. Great to have you back with us again. Good to be here as well. Yeah. And Happy New Year. Yes, Happy New Year to you. Blue the Nerwitha, Ben. Blue the Nerwitha, here Chris. <laughs> Thank you. Happy New Year. For those of you that aren't in Wales, these guys are talking Welsh to each other now. So that's Happy New Year. And it might be a flavour <laughs> of uh, maybe some of the podcasts to come. And um, so we might be exploring some of the uniquenesses of uh, the Welsh culture. Well, I might touch on that um, in, a, in a little bit as we, as we go through. So um, okay. well, as it happens, purely by coincidence, I'm going to touch on it as well, Ben. Oh, <laughs> Hey, do you know what? I'm not, so that's it. Wow, we are in tune. <laughs> okay, so we've had a, a varied year last year. 2021 was, um, some of it was good. Some of it really, really wasn't very good at all. Um, we thought we would uh, review our, maybe our favourite books from the year and have a think about those and why we liked them. So, Chris, do you want to go first again? Ooh. Onerous, but onerous, but yes, I'll go first. Um, first of all, just a slight review of my reading habits for the year. I'd say in general they haven't been that good, to be honest. There have been times when I haven't been reading at all. Um, I've, um, I've had a very busy year, funnily enough, which often means that you don't read as much as you normally would. And I actually had a holiday away on an island um, without electricity, um, without... without um, running toilets, um, with no <laughs> Wi-Fi, and you would have thought, perfect place to read. And I took a couple of books, and do you know what? I didn't read them. Um, it got dark at night, and it was pretty much, pretty much candlelight, so I thought, I'm not going to read with that, that sort of lighting. During the day, there was a whole island to walk around, um, things to look at, photos to take, lots of chatting and, and cooking and stuff like that. What could have been the best reading week of the year um, I found far better things to do. Oh, I shouldn't say that. <laughs> um, so it sounds great. It sounds absolutely perfect, to be honest with you. So that, that sort of, in a way, sums up my reading year. I didn't have much of a focus on reading, but I picked up a few things that really got me going. Um, I'm going to mention first the heyday of natural history, um, 1820 to 1870, written by Lynn Barber in 1980. I found this book purely by chance. Um, as you know, might know, in Barry Library, we've got a basement with um, a stack. So it's all the books that um, you know, look a bit too old to put on the shelves. And uh, one day when I was photocopying, I set, set off a, a long photocopy job and wandered off into the stack thinking, what shall I read next? And I just happened to come across this book. It is what it says on the, on the tin, really, Natural History 1820 to 1870. It's an absolute romp through that period um, by Lynn um, Barber, who was a, a journalist of the time looking at all the fads and crazes um, that happened at that time. It was sort of before, the outset was, of course, before Darwin, and the latter end was after Darwin. Um, but before Darwin in particular, there were so many sort of amateur natural history scientists. At that time, they didn't quite know what to call themselves even. But there were whole national um, fads. There was one for ferns, mm-hmm. um, fern collecting shell collecting, fossil collecting. There was a whole period where um, aquariums were the rage, um, collecting things from rock pools. Hey, a fascinating period, really, when a lot of people could get involved. There was a lot of um, 
real middle class people with nothing much to do who devoted their energies to studying, I don't know, snails in the garden and um, all, all manner of creatures, really. There was a lot of collectors who, of course, lots of things were coming in from all around the world at that time, weren't they? Stuffed yeah, birds yeah. from here and yeah. there, you know, octopus skin from there and all the rest of it. Um, there, were, there, there was one fellow in the book who's, uh, who made it his mission to eat as many different varieties of animal as he possibly could. <laughs> They're outlined in there. Um, it was also the be- beginning of the establishment of a lot of museums. I, I called it a romp. It really does go through a heck of a lot of um, information in a very popular, very readable, often very humorous sort of a style. So it really is a great read and that sounds good oh, absolutely my favorite book of the year and when I think with your museum background Julie I think you probably find it quite interesting too you might yeah no no it, it the, the gentleman bit, collector the in the museum where I used to work um and loved and and that was the foundation so it's, yeah very fond memories I think I'd very much enjoy that yeah yeah, I'd, I'd highly recommend it anyway. Lots lots to do with cataloguing, classifying and all the different methods. Oh, you is. know me too well. <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it's um, an extremely readable. So it's not at all dry. Loads of illustrations. Um, and like I said, lots of eccentricities and little infights between different um, people working in these fields as well, which is good. Lots of competition. Yeah. Um, and then along comes Darwin and ruins it all, basically, because uh, <laughs> so many theories... Before Darwin, of course, and um, they they find their place in here. A lot of clergymen doing a lot of this work as well. So one ended up shooting himself actually after Darwin's um, discoveries. He just couldn't cope with the fact. Oh, so dear. yeah, read it for so many diff- on so many different levels. Now another, the, the next book, um, A Year of Magical Thinking by Joan Didion. Some something that's is a book that was um, published in. A, 2005 it was a big prize winner at the time I think well respected and I sort of tripped over it a few times over the years thinking oh that sounds interesting I'll go back and read that hey it's a not a morbid tale but it's it's um this um, woman who was herself a journalist and a writer married to um, her husband was also a writer uh, both well known in their own fields um but he died um on um right at the end of December in something like 2003, I think. Um, hey, she was cooking the dinner, having a chat to him. He died there and there in, in, in his chair, um, drinking a whiskey and reading a book and chatting with her. And really, it's then her, um, the way she dealt with it over the, the, the coming year. Mm-hmm. Um, so it's a lot about mourning. Rather a gloomy book to read um, this year, but then maybe that's one of the reasons I cross it again this year, really, because, um, you know, for some of us, it has been a gloomy year. Also for Joan Didion, um, you know, four, four or five days before her husband died, her um, daughter went into hospital, uh, had sepsis, she was in a coma for a year. Um, during the course of that year, she fell down the steps of an air, um, aircraft, hit her head, and was in a coma again. Um, so she had a awful time basically yeah short book lots about memory lots about thinking back to places yeah very interesting fairly moving um a good one i think really and then um the next one i'm going to choose is an architecture of wales by john hilling i did say they were all um non-fiction didn't i 
this is um, it covers a whole architecture of Wales from little roundhouses and um, wooden shacks, I suppose, all the way up to the Millennium um, uh-huh. Centre. Um, full of photos, I suppose. It's it's not one you'd read at bedtime. It's not one you'd read in a whole chunk. Um, it's just an interesting way of looking through um, the architecture of Wales. I mean, I love driving around Wales and seeing buildings, you know, the sort of country-style buildings, um, industrial buildings, not so much the great buildings in my case, but, hey, this sets it all out on a path, really. And, um, yeah, it inspires my interest because I like looking at buildings, I guess, uh-huh. like visiting them, like staying in them. Um, it makes it, it, it um, has a huge effect on... Um, how you think about the world, really, whether, you know, there's a, something attractive to look at. Yeah, yeah, I can understand that. Did it make you go on any special journeys because of it? None special journeys yet, but I've got a, sort of a sideline interest, if you like. We do stay at um, um, old original buildings, me and the wife, um, and we've got, um, we're booked up for um, January, for instance, to stay in um, the walls of Carnarvon um, town. There's um, there's one of the turrets in the walls that they rent out to um, uh-huh. holidaymakers. This is the Landmark Trust. Basically, they take lots of old, remarkable buildings. They they do them up and they rent them out, out as a way of keeping these um, places going. So there you are. That, that that inspires me to look for other places of interest. So the picture the listeners have got of you basically now is somebody who just either spends their time lurking in the dark library stacks or you know <laughs> spent on rugged remote islands you know, <laughs> dark or in gloomy old buildings yes he's, I mean, really, uh, he's yeah. really not like that actually people <laughs> he's really friendly nice. <laughs> ben do you want to go next okay um well <clears throat> i Probably I should start by saying I actually found this much harder than I expected when we decided on the theme for this episode. And I um, I had to go back and think about all the books that I had read over the last 12 months. I was amazed that actually there weren't that many of them. I thought that there'd be more. Yeah. And, and that's something that kept occurring to me throughout the year, I think, every time I kind of thought about reading because at the beginning, I um, and through lots of conversations that I'd had with people, and 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 I and, and everyone said, "Oh, you've got lo- loads of time to read now." You know, you, you're always complaining that you haven't got time. Well, and and I thought that I probably would. I thought that you know I'd probably absolutely tear through my my kind of to read list and um, you know and 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 just clear my bookshelves. And, mm. uh, and but when it came to it, I found that. I found that really hard to do. I think, I mean, I guess you guys don't get this quite so much. I mean, I work over the counter in the library, so to speak, so on the shop floor, if you like. And so many people, so many of our good readers, mm. which I would say good readers before lockdown, have said this to us. I lost my reading mojo. I thought I'd have so much time to read. I didn't read. Um, they didn't give themselves um, permission, if you like, to sit down and enjoy a book during the day, yep. during lockdown, and it's a reading with their evening activity. And, you know, they've said, I'm, I've become jealous of my husband because he's like, oh, great, <laughs> now I can read. And giving himself all that permission um, if they were furloughed to read. And truly, we've had so many readers come in and say, this is not, this has not been what I hoped mm. it would be. Um, and to, to try and you know, kick back into that, I think 
be kind to yourself. That's what I mean. Everyone's yeah. you've hear it. It's banded around. But to be honest with you, really mean it. And it's been something that's been really, really prevalent. Yeah. You know, and it, yeah, it's I've, hard. Yeah. Well, I found my um, my concentration mm. was really affected. It was my my sort of concentration span and just my capacity to kind of sit down and and focus on something for any any length of time yeah it took a long time to get that back again because yeah, I, I think i think things have been so disrupted and everybody's you know structure has been turned on its head and that sense of you know like going to work and being busy and then having free time where you just sit down and unwind by reading a book you know for an yeah. hour or something like that and and it that all of that felt so much more fractious yeah, and kind of fragmented. Um, it's true for me as well, really. I mean, I've been working at home a lot, and that has a different sort of puts a different complexion yeah. on it, really. And you see yeah. so many other things to do when you're not yeah. working. And I must admit, I've been reading a lot online as well, a lot of social media stuff, a lot of um, you know, I've probably done more reading than ever, but I haven't actually sat too often or as often as I like with a book. Yeah. yeah, that's a common feature for a lot of people as well, I think. So much social media takes over now, doesn't it? Well, I think, yeah, I mean, yes, it does. But don't be too hard on yourself, because for a long time last year, that was the only way you could access your friends or family. Yeah. Um, yes. And you got into that habit. And actually, it's quite a tricky habit to break. And also, you know, we obviously are encouraged to do more online with our work. So it was even more more prevalent i think perhaps yes Maybe. and all the yes. links that come from that as well it's not so much that always the friends it's that oh a link to something interesting and then yeah you're off yeah. you're off and you, you you realize you know an hour's gone by <laughs> yeah. you're still, still standing by the kettle with your phone in your hand or something yeah. <laughs> or any human <laughs> there you go so, so what, what did you read then Beth? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, I think the first book that um, I'll mention is actually the most um, the most recent book um, that I've read, and it's probably if I had to rank them, I think it would. It's quite possibly the one that I've enjoyed most actually reading over the last year. The one that really broke that kind of stalemate that, and and it really got me back into. I, I kind of. It sounds like a cliche, doesn't it? Such a cliche, but um, it, it, it was the one that helped me kind of really rediscover the joy of reading for, you know, for, <laughs> for, for just for pleasure, for its own sake, really. It's, um, it's the first book in Philip Pullman's His Dark Materials uh, trilogy. It's Northern Lights. And it's one that I'd been aware of. I mean, it's a trilogy that I've been aware of for a long time, um, but had just never read. And then it was recommended to me by um, a friend. And I thought, well, why not? I've been looking for something different to read. So I jumped in and it was completely different. It wasn't at all the way that I expected. It was one of those. It's funny how um, I think a lot of famous or well-known books or series or something, you can develop a kind of, you feel like they're going to be a certain way. And then actually they're completely different. They, they, They totally kind of subvert your expectations. Better than you expected? Oh, definitely, yeah. I didn't think... Because I'm not much of a... I have to say, I'm not usually a reader of, of kind of science fiction or not a huge reader of, of fantasy even. And I kind of thought that it might be something along those lines. But actually, it was much... It was, mu- it was a much more kind of recognisable 
it's you kind know. of presented a fact isn't it it kind of is it's, yeah and it's it's sort of fr- right from the outset you're you're more or less told all of this happens in a in a world and a universe which is very recognizable it's it's very much like ours but not quite you mm-hmm. know it's there's like sl- some things which are slightly off and slightly different but otherwise it's you know and all the places are the same and you know it yeah. all one there were several things that struck me from the northern light i mean one of the things was that the um the, the main you know the main character of lyra mm-hmm. um the young girl was just it instantly reminded me very much of the friend who had recommended the book <laughs> to me just in 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 terms of kind of instant boundless enthusiasm for things and um just kind of running around I love the idea of us all having a little creature attached to us. I mean, that's really captivated me. Exactly. Yeah, I like. Yeah, that. I really, li- I really like that idea. And and the fact that it you just go straight in and that's introduced and it's not really explained. It's not. It's no. not. It's not explained. You're just, you know, it's just just kind of mentioned as if you you would understand it as if you'd know exactly what what this was all about and it mm. it took a little bit a bit of time before i worked at oh okay that's what's going on okay then ben, what would your demon be you know when you get to be an adult your demons are fixed that's creature, right i've well i've been th- i've been thinking about that actually and um i i yeah i'm not sure what mine would manifest and what what i'd want it to be fixed as i do like owls i love owls well, yeah. so i think i'd be i'd be quite i'd be quite pleased if it was a yeah yeah, I think mine would be some sort of bird, certainly. So I could get a bit of a bit of height and perspective on things. Probably. Yeah. <laughs> oh, okay. Could come in useful. Okay, I'm going to be the other one out then. What, what? I, uh, I'd love it to be an otter. Oh, I'd love it are. to be an otter. They're very cute. They're okay. Okay. Very sharp teeth as well, so they could come in useful sometimes. Yeah, quite bitey. <laughs> well, my second book. Um, and this was what I, what I mentioned earlier on about touching on um, a little bit of Welsh culture. It's uh, A Small Country by Sean James, uh, which again was a book that I'd, I'd heard of and been kind of vaguely aware of for many years, but had never, never really looked at it closely. Um, and then I just realised there was a copy of it just on my bookshelves um, last year. And I thought, well, why not? Just let's give it a go. And I really enjoyed it. I actually found it, uh, it, it reminded me a lot of um of my own family history in in some ways because it's it's set it's set in the the very early years of the 20th century uh on a farm in Carmarthenshire which uh and obviously uh that's where that's where I'm from and my um my father's family are from farming stock so a lot of what um, what was talked about was was quite familiar to me from you know very early memories found that it's not a huge book but it's got it's it's got a bit of everything in it really it's got you know it's got uh it's got love requited and otherwise it's got uh, it's got drama it's got you know um heart rending well I, I i don't even want to use the word sadness but um i mean it's in the run up to the first world war which of course is a really the beginning of a you know of a new epoch i suppose mm-hmm. it's a it's a real kind of beginning of a new age and um I really enjoyed it. And for my third book is going to be a little bit of a departure uh, from that. My third book is a non-fiction, and it's it's a biography. It's uh, Tove Janssen, Work and Love by uh, oh dear, it's by Tula Kari. <laughs> oh dear, 
It's and it's her niece, isn't it? It is her niece. Yeah. Yes, that's right. Um, Tula Karyalainen, and um, I apologise to her if um, if I've just apologised to Finland. To, to, I would say and, yeah. to, and to and to Sweden. Um, yeah. <laughs> uh, if I've just made a massive hash of that, this is a book that I I just sort of stumbled upon, um, and it made me realise that I. I, that Tove Janssen was actually someone I knew very little about. I again, I I knew of her, but I'd never really, I'd never sort of did you read Moomins? looked into her. I did read Moomins. I grew up with the Moomins, and I really enjoyed them. I love Moomins. Yeah, um, and of course, I remember the the um, the animations of them as well from mm. when I was a child. I mean, I really, I I really enjoyed the um, this book, and it made it actually made me think that um, a bit like our last episode where we talked about M. R. James and the fact that he had this kind of double life as, you know, as a um, yeah. a serious academic, and then um, he also wrote sort of ghost stories on the side, and actually, it's the, it's those that he is he's mm-hmm. now better known for. Um, and I sort of feel like, probably to a slightly lesser degree, but I think Tove Janssen is a little bit like that in that, internationally at least, she's probably, well, I would, I think, almost certainly remembered for the movements, really, even though during her lifetime, really from a very early age, I mean, she was, she was very well known on the, on, you know, as, a, yeah. as an artist in, in Sweden, you know, in her sort of native Sweden and Finland because um, yeah. she had one parent of each, yes. um, so she was kind of back and forth between the two. Yeah, she. I mean, she was um, she was someone who was hugely influential in in the sort of the art scene um, mm-hmm. there. But then developed. I think she developed the Moomins as a as almost as a little um, sort of stress relieving device and a, a way of kind of expressing her more playful side. Yeah, I mean, some of her cartoons and her um, little illustrations and they're very political they're, mm. they're coming out um, in Finland which was a uh, quite a difficult country at the time uh, during the Second World War mm. um, and they are very very anti-Nazi cartoons and publishing them was actually really really a big risk for her yeah. kind of thing and I hadn't realised I've, I've actually read about Tobi Jansson this year as well and um I hadn't realised how political and mm. how difficult it was for her in those sort of growing up years. Yeah, really hard. Yeah, I mean, it might sound, um, it probably, I, I, you know, I was probably thinking far too simplistically before, but I had no idea that, that there was so much behind, um, you know, the Moomins, or even just the Moomins, and that the, the, the way that they became a really important way for her, I think, to explore lots of, aspects of herself mm-hmm. and things that were going on in her life that mm-hmm. maybe she wasn't able to look at in a in a very public way um explore the relationship with her parents as well you know yeah. the fact that they that so much of them went into the characters of um of the especially the elder movements and you know the way that her friends were they yes. kind of crop yeah. and up her in, own sexuality of course and her sexuality yeah. No, I've never read the movements, but I know the illustrations. I love the illustrations. You haven't even seen the cartoons? Yes, I've seen the cartoons. I've always always been a bit attracted to them, but you know what? I've seen a documentary about her in the last couple of years. I wonder Mm. if it came out in relation to this book. But it was certainly a a very, um, it's quite an inspiring documentary, I thought. Mm. And I did at that time decide I was going to read um, some of the movements, but I haven't got round to it yet. 
And I've got this particular image of her. Tell me if I'm right or wrong, but didn't she have an island? I mean, yes. fin- Finland is full of islands, aren't it? But yes. didn't, she, didn't she live on a, or at least have a holiday home on a tiny little island that they used to yes. visit at the time? I well, she... I think she um she grew up um when when she was when she was a child that she she was one of three children and every summer they would go to a sort of they would rent a a sort of cottage um on on one of these islands in a kind of archipelago um I suppose and go and have this and the way that she describes it it's incredibly kind of idyllic and um you know really just uh, fantastic for children. And I think that really stayed with her all her life and was 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 a really important way of her kind of touching base. And yes, as you say, in her later life, she, um, she there were there were obviously places that she loved going back to and, and spend a lot of time. And I think she felt she kind of felt at peace there somehow. Yeah. That, but the moomins, yes. I think, work better for adults than they do for children, because um, you can appreciate some of the finer points of their sentiments. Mm. As a as a grown up, um, they're they're lovely for children. Don't get me wrong, and I read them to my own children, but uh, <laughs> I do think they're almost slightly wasted on children. <laughs> oh. You've inspired me to go back then. I, I am going to read the Moomins. That's going to be on my hit list of things to read. <laughs> and um, they're they're great for any year recommendation because they are generally happy. I mean, not always. But um, and you've got characters that really aren't happy, but uh, they're generally at peace with themselves, and that's they... nice. Okay, uh, I'm going to be really frivolous now with my first book. Um, I'm really sorry. Oh, go ahead. Um, but it kind of it was just so nice at the end of, end of um, last year's or the beginning of last year's summer. It's the Pursuit of Love by Nancy Mitford which does have a desperately sad ending, but it can't have ended any other way. So, you know, that's okay. But it's quite, uh, it's not frivolous because it deals with, you know, big issues as well. It's set during the war, uh, it's set pre-war and post-war. And obviously she's had a very uh, interesting childhood herself. And quite a lot of that is reflected throughout the book. But I just wanted a summer read and I, it, it did what it said on the tin. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a good writer, not putting her down. You know, it's, it is beautifully written as well. Um, and so quick to read. I found myself binging books and then going without and then sitting down and going, right, absolutely nothing else is getting done until I finish this. So, um, and I, thankfully, it's quite short for, <laughs> for anyone that wanted food, cleaning or anything else during that time. It's nice. To, it's nice to have that sense of urgency, though, when you find a book that that's so that just it took, grabs you so much that you, you just think, yeah. I have to sit down and read this. Yeah, now. it took me away. Um, and it's yeah, I mean, I'm sure you've both read it. It's a book about friendship. It's, you know, it's her exploits. It's a book about mm-hmm. love, obviously. So I, yeah, that I think that really cheered me up last year. So I think that's really such good. an extraordinary family, though. I've read a biography uh-huh. of the Mitford girls, and uh-huh. three of them seem to. Yeah, remember. I you know one um, a follower of Hitler, another one so, became a, a communist, yeah, yeah. married a um, jazz musician in America. I mean, just an incredible, incredible story in itself, really. And, and that um, she works that into it, you know, doesn't she runs off with the communist um, um, and tries so hard to be part of the cause, but that's not her. 
you know, and then obviously falls for the the duke. But he's that really that's everybody's sort of shocked because he's the playboy, the absolute playboy. That, um, but she says, you know, that's 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 I am in love with him, and he's in love with me. And if I have a moment's happiness, that's better than a, you know, a lifetime of of uh, just bland. Bland, yeah. Yeah. It's, so um, that sounds yeah. like something I'd say. <laughs> <laughs> oh, for a moment's happiness. <laughs> that reminds me of my teenage self. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, it, it's it is a very teen book, but it does it is, I think, quite autobiographical when you look at her family and. It, it cheered me up, um, took me away. So that was quite nice, kind of what you needed. My second re- recommendation, and I think we've already touched on this as well, is The Bear and the Nightingale. Yes. I thought Ben was going to rec- recommend this book because I know you've read it. I, I have read it and um, I really enjoyed it. So I very nearly did, okay. um, actually. But I had a, I, I couldn't remember whether we'd actually... Because we did touch on it, didn't we? In a, in we talked about it on the podcast. Halloween podcast. That's right. Um, and... But I really, really enjoyed the book. I love the way the fairy tale nature in which it is written. I'd recommend it either quickly read it in February or probably would work better on a dark winter's night. Mm. It's a very wintry book, isn't it? It it's... is. It is quite a wintry book. Have you read it at all, Chris? I haven't. I've just written it down now. <laughs> <laughs> it's on the list now. I've, I've heard you talking about it before, so um, I've written it down possibly for the second time. But it's mind set... who, who wrote it? Uh, it's written by Catherine Arden. It is part of a trilogy, um, but I think The Bear and the Nightingale is the stronger one of the three. It's about a young girl who realises she's more than just a girl. She has uh, it sounds really naff to say that she's got powers. It's it's really not like that at all. And it's set in Russia. I know very little about Russia. Um, and they're in a tiny little cottage. Well, no, he, her father's the um, overlord, if you will, yeah. of an area. Um, and so they are they're the ones with the wealth, but they're still desperately poor by our standings. You know, in a in a very cold Russian winter. And she doesn't want what people want for her. She no. doesn't want to go off into Moscow. She doesn't want to wear, marry into wealth. Mm. Um, and it is, most of the book is the struggle with the old ways and the new Christian um, orthodoxy, which is represented by a priest who comes to the village. Um, and their struggle, and actually their struggle throughout, carries on throughout the trilogy. And it's yeah, beautifully written. It is beautifully written. And, and I, I really liked that. I really enjoyed it's that. beautifully written and really evocative of the, of the it's got a real sense of place. Um, I Absolutely. think it really transports you to yes. there and you can feel the cold and the, you know, and, and the way that it's, when they, de- they de- describe the horrendous winters and the, the you know, mm. the, the, the feet and feet of snow. And then they're in this tiny, this little house just in the middle of nowhere. And, and everyone's, everything seems to happen around the, the sort of giant. Oh, the stove. The stove. The yeah. Stove they sleep the on top of it. And, you know, and it's all about kind of this little center of warmth. And, yeah. Yeah. Um, the necessities yeah. Of, of human life and tiny Absolutely. little human rituals. Yeah. Um, and I, 
maybe I just like uh, like cold weather and um, that's fine. But my last recommendation is um, Nigel Slater's The Christmas Chronicles, which is a book that I bought for myself as pure indulgence. I had it recommended by quite a few readers, actually, quite a few library users. Um, and I had already read Toast, which was going to be my recommendation, which is his autobiography. But I have changed it to The Christmas Chronicles because I just think it's, I like the writing in it. I like the writing. He's not prepared. He's, or he is pre- very prepared to say what he thinks. He's not prepared to hold back, which is really funny. It is a recipe book. I mean, obviously, I'm, well, obviously, I am vegetarian and there's lots of different recipes, but you know, you can take the flavors and you can, you know, muddle it up with a sturdy mushroom and that's fine. <laughs> a sturdy mushroom. <laughs> I didn't know you were a vegetarian. Yeah. Well, I've learned I something about you today. I really like his style of writing. Um, I like his style of cooking. He's very frank. He likes the winter. I like the winter. Just his love of food and his love of Christmas. And I just think it's a very, very lovely book just to curl up with. Good. And you get some good food at the end as well. And you get good food as well. And definitely you feel quite hungry. If I I had a recommendation, yeah, maybe maybe you're not going to read much now, but I would start it just the middle of October so you can get the ingredients ready. And there is an online, um, there is an Instagram person who has follows him through and Instagrams the recipes because it, it, it does follow through Christmas, but it does start maybe beginning of November. So you need to kind of get yourself prepped. So start it October time and you can actually follow it through. And I quite like that. Yeah. So I'm yeah. going to maybe do that next year as well. Want to put in the calendar then for next yeah. year. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I like I like the fact we've mentioned a few books um, today that, that kind of link in certain times of the year that, you know, that, that, there are maybe good times of the year to read these books because you'll really get into the feel for them for one reason or another. Definitely. I am a seasonal reader. Yeah. It always surprises me that people in the library, choose people to choose to read, read Christmas books in the you know, summer. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> I know if you're reading a, a series and the Christmas one happens to crop up and you've got to read mm. it, but it is always quite, why are you doing this now? Yes, no, leave it. Leave it until Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> That's our year review. That's our year in reading, mm-hmm. if you like, or our year well, struggling to read, which yeah, is exactly. perfectly a reflection of the times. Yeah, unfortunately. <laughs> what would you recommend? Recommend. Let's recommend a book. Let's recommend each other a book. I know you've already recommended me that book. Oh, yes. <laughs> first with that, haven't I, already? Um, but, okay, so, Chris... Do you want to go first again? We'll go round again. In okay, order, okay. I'm going to recommend Ben Reed's The Finkler Question by Howard Jacobson. Have ah, you read it, Ben? <laughs> I haven't read it, actually. I have, I've read um, several other of Howard Jacobson's um, novels. Um, I was quite a fan of his at, at one time. I did get quite into Howard Jacobson. I've met him a couple of times. Have you really? I've, uh, I've, I've met him um, at... You're such a name dropper. I know. <laughs> such a name dropper. And also, I've chosen such a good book for you by the sound of it as well. Well, fantastic. <laughs> I bumped into him at the uh, in the pub, actually, at um, at the Hay Festival <laughs> some years ago. Oh, yeah. And, um, yeah, that was, that was interesting. I'll recommend... Why don't I recommend a book for Julia to read? Okay. Yeah. 
Now, from one culture to another, from um, from Jewish culture to something quite different, I imagine. <laughs> um, I think um, I think you both know. Uh, a couple of years ago, I um, I spent uh, a couple of months in Australia, yes. um, visiting some family and friends and traveling around. It was my first visit there, and I'd, it was a place I'd wanted to go for absolutely ages since I was a, since I was a teenager. And I, I think that it's got such a fascinating history and a kind of an indigenous culture that's like nowhere else as well. Um, and I had a fantastic time there. And then when I came back, uh, I kept in touch with um, some of my friends there. And they, and then of course the lockdown happened. And they said, well, since you can't come back and visit for, you know, for a while, why don't you try reading some Australian fiction? Because that, that's something that I had never done. I'd, I'd, I'd never explored you know, Australian writers or anything. And they recommended some to me. So my recommendation to you is A Fraction of the Whole, which is the debut novel by uh, Steve Toltz. Okay. It's a little bit of a wedge of a book, but um, don't be put off by the size of it. It, does, it skips along quite, quite nicely. It moves along. Um, okay. okay. Yeah, it's, uh, it's I've, quite... I've never heard of it. I'm sorry. What type of book? It. It's um, it's fiction. It's essentially it's a sort of fictionalized. It's a it's a fictional memoir, I suppose. Okay. It's basically about. It's very funny. It's very funny. Funny is good. It's about it's about a, a man who um who gets to a certain point in his life, and um I think there's it's fair to say there's a, a fairly sort of comic uh thread of of like self loathing through it because he. It's about a man who reaches a stage in his life and he has a son who has now reached a, um, an age where he feels like um, he wants to tell him about his life. So it's, it's, it's really told in sort of flashback, mm-hmm. really. And it's all about this man telling his son all about um, what he regards, I suppose, as, as his own kind of failures and um, you know, bad judgments and uh, and and all kinds of just strange kind of adventures and escapades that he's found himself swept up in. So, Chris, um, I'll recommend uh, one for you. Have you read Robert McFarlane's Underland? No. Oh, good. No, I haven't. Okay. And I... actually, I don't think I've ever come across this. So, have you not? You would you would know if you had come across it because I think once you've once you've read it, I think you'll remember it for a very long time. It's one of the best books I've ever read. It's also possibly one of, um, it's got some really serious issues in there, environmental issues in there. And it's also kind of one of the scariest, not in a kind of, ooh, spooky, but in um, as, as humans, what we're doing to the world type of ways. Obviously, you know, he's a Cambridge professor so it's written and researched very well but I don't know how you feel about being underground do you feel very claustrophobic Ooh, I think if it was a tunnel and I was a caving I think I'd be feel a little bit claustrophobic I think I would <laughs> well I mean he he goes underground but it actually says there are in the book um, anyone who has any sense would be slightly apprehensive when they went through a very narrow tunnel. And there are times in the book, it's all about, sorry, I should have said, it's all about underground, under land. It's about being under the land. Now, whether you're a tree growing under the land or whether you're 
human mining under the land or whether you're a caver going under the land for some kind of enjoyment um, and about how underground spaces have been used I think because you love architecture there'll be chapters in this book that you are fascinated by Um, anyone with any sense as I said if they're going down a cave does it with some kind of um, intrepidation some Mm. kind of anxiety and there are times in the book where you think oh I'm gonna put that down because I'm too scared for him i'm too worried for him at this moment and he is worried he he says i am this is you know i'm totally out of my comfort zone being here uh, but he is quite prepared to go down under the ground you know what i think i would love that one thing i do love doing and it's something that can be dangerous is is, is looking on um, looking into old buildings you know the sort of crumbly yeah um, falling down sort of buildings um yeah. I do like that sort of thing and scare myself sometimes. I mean, you don't often get the opportunity to come across such a building, but when I do, I can hardly resist. <laughs> it is. It's, and it's a deeply moving book. It's also oh. deeply joyful um, as well. At the same time, it's, you know, incredibly, there's lots of incredible themes in there. Um, so I don't, I rarely have been that moved by a nonfiction book. I mean, I like That's his writing true. anyway. Have you read Have you read much of him? No, I haven't. Well, read The Old Ways as well, because that's really good. That's about walking around the countryside. Oh, I um, love that, yes. And I think you'd really enjoy that. Well, they are. They're definitely on my list. I must admit, it brings to mind a book completely different that I did read during the year. can't quite remember the title. Something like Entangled, which is all about... Um, the fungi that connect everything underground. Yes. So um, this will be going a little bit deeper than um, fungi. Well, bit. no, it does. It does. Wow. Um, it's kind of, I think it's, maybe it doesn't start with it, but it does incorporate that as well. And which is where mm. I first heard about um, the whole way trees are related and, and, all connected to each other what underground so it does go through that so yes i have actually read um entangled as well but this is a this is a it's shorter because it's in chapters so you know that's always <laughs> shorter is good that's always but it, good it's get you back into reading and that kind of thing but it is it's um it's very succinct and explains that very well as well excellent sounds great so yeah and that's something to look forward to i don't like having to set great reading goals for the new year um and, and new year's resolutions i'm not into them because you just go oh i haven't done it no, but yeah. something to look forward to in the new year i think is a good thing yeah i, I set myself a few goals i must say I'm, i want to find some books that are funny i want to have a good laugh i think in the next year so i want to come across some funny books okay <laughs> well um maybe we'll touch back on that then Maybe we yes. should have a, a podcast on books that have just made us laugh. Oh, that'd be great. That would be fun. Well, it's been interesting to look at uh, look at what we've been what we've been reading over the last over the last year, and maybe uh, look ahead a little bit to what we are what we're hoping for from the the year to come. I know that I'm sure we're all hoping that it's going to be it's going to be a better year all around, and uh, without quite so many frustrations and challenges. But that mm. remains to be seen. Nevertheless. Uh, you know, we'll we'll still be here. We'll still be talking about uh, about books and all things book related. If you've if you've enjoyed the podcast, don't forget to to subscribe and come back and and check out uh, our our episodes in the future. If you haven't listened to our past episodes, go back and check those out as well. So um, until the next time.
Thanks very much. Bye, everyone. Bye.